Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast Medical Spy Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Christy Hutchinson from QCC Healthcare. Okay, we're back uh, for part two with Christy Hutchinson, QCC Healthcare. Thank you, Christy, again for joining us. Um, we, we just in part one we talked about nursing scope of practice, and I should say we are going to be doing. Um, I mean, this is a very hot topic right now, and there's a lot of um, passions going back and forth um, and a lot of conversations. So we're going to be doing more um, webinars and discussion boards about about nursing scope of practice. And, and, and although we don't have it scheduled yet, Christy, we're going to be getting you on a, on a webinar with with Patrick, our legal counsel, to talk about these issues. So so keep, keep an eye out um, for that. That should be forthcoming very, very soon. Um, but I want to talk now uh, about OSHA, which is I mean, it's a four letter word and it's kind of like one of these things that nobody really wants to talk about. Nobody wants to hear about. It's boring. It's it kind of your eyes start to roll back when you hear about it. But um, I have personally seen in the last couple, there's always a, a handful of OSHA investigations against medical aesthetic practices every year that turn out to be a real pain in the ass for for people. So let's just talk generally. What 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 is OSHA? And what do folks, what are the top kind of couple things that people need to be thinking about? Because it just, it, it, it can be such a drag to talk about, but it's important. So what's the deal? Well, Alex, first of all, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure working with AMSPA and doing fun things with you guys. So I appreciate that. Of course. Um, I've never heard of OSHA being a four-letter word before. This is news to me, really? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it totally is. You can count them yourself. <laughs> so OSHA has one intent, and that is safety of the employees, Okay. period, the end. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. So it's not about patients. It's not um, about anybody else. It is about the employees. It was developed many, many, many years ago when there were so many construction site deaths. And so this, or it's a federal organization designed to provide for safety for the employees. There's a few big areas in the med spa that really people need to pay attention to. One is lasers. So if you have lasers in your facility, that's a whole nother section of of OSHA that we need to look at and discuss, right? Mm -hmm. Then there is um, the bloodborne pathogens. Right. Um, And so that's going to be like your HIV, hepatitis, that type of stuff. And, And today I even really lump in the airborne pathogens too, such as COVID and flu, right? Right, right. Um, And then the third big category is more of your general safety. So we call it injury and illness prevention. And those are going to be things like your trips, your fall hazards. Um, Do you have boxes stacked up so high that they present a risk when people are walking by and they may hit their head? Um, And so those are the three big categories that we talk a lot about with OSHA and um, I've helped with some of the, those investigations over the last few years. Pretty much all the OSHA investigations that I have participated in, come to find out in the end, have been complaints from disgruntled ex-employees. Mm. So I do want people to realize we, we don't see OSHA out there doing proactive audits right now. Mm-hmm. They just simply don't have the bandwidth. Um, it is possible. So, you know, don't want to say it's not going to happen. Um, so the ones that we're seeing in the med spas have mostly been from ex-employees, 
Um, it could even potentially be from a competitor down the right, street. Right. They they put in a, a complaint to OSHA, and then OSHA has to come out and investigate it. And once they are on your property, anything that they see is now a part of their investigation. Right. So, you know, if you had a complaint over a simple, like, fall hazard, but they see lots of other things going on, all of that is going to be discussed in the investigation. They do fine you monetary fines for infractions. They also um, give you a time frame to have everything corrected, uh, and they will come back for a, a follow-up visit to make sure that all those corrections are in place. Um, and so that's usually where I will come in to help is to help with the corrective actions to make sure that everything's in place or I'll come in proactively before an investigation, hopefully, and, you know, get all the right paperwork and documents and education in right. place so that they can move forward. Well, and, and you mentioned um, lasers and, and light emitting devices, which is is kind of, you know, th- that and then like the bloodborne pathogens, which includes, um, you know, disposal of, of needles, right? Um, yes, what um, and, and those tend to be kind of the the ones that I see in my limited capacity. But when I see these things come in, those are the ones that where people are are, are getting um, are, are getting dinged on. What 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 what's kind of the top level view that 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 med spas need to know about light emitting devices and lasers? Like what 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 are the rules that they need to have? What do they need to have in place to be you know minimally compliant with OSHA? Well, we could do a whole webinar on that alone. So I'll hit some of the highlights. You know, eye protection, not only um, for the employee, you obviously need to, for the patient too, but the employee needs to be wearing appropriate eye protection that you provide for them. It's not out of their pocket. It's the employer's responsibility to provide that. Okay. Um, and let's let's say, great example, you provide it for your employee, but your employee never wears it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of employers will come back and say, well, I gave it to them. It's their fault. If they don't want to wear it, nope. OSHA says it is your responsibility to enforce that they wear it. Um, Same thing with things like, you know, you have to buy them gloves. You have to enforce that they're going to wear their gloves appropriately. Um, If you provide them with safety needles and that's been the decision that everybody's going to use safety needles, then you have to enforce that they use those. So you can't just claim that, oh, hey, I educated them and then they chose not to do it. Um, so you have to so make the, sure that they do it basically. Yeah. If that's what you're, if that's what you've decided as an organization, that that's what your policy is going to be, you have to enforce your policies. Right. Um, so, so be careful when you write your policies, you don't want to paint anybody into a corner there and then find out you're not really following that policy. Um, also for lasers, it's general safety, like checking them to make sure that there's no frayed cords, that it has plenty of space around the laser for good airflow, that there's no fire risk, um, you know, things like do you have a fire extinguisher on site um, that would be accessible in the event there were a fire. Um, also, things that a lot of, I, I see a lot of infractions here is leaving the keys or maybe mm. it's um, whatever turns the machine on. Sometimes it's keys. Sometimes it's um, a component of the machine that has to be plugged in. If you're leaving those out where anybody could, who, who shouldn't have access, but they could, then that could be an infraction. So for instance, taking the keys out, keeping them with the laser operator during the day, or putting them up in a cabinet where, you know, people can't just walk in and find them. Also things like keeping the door shut when you're performing a laser procedure, um, making sure that there's, you know, no um, 
unapproved guest in the room. So like if a mom comes in and has her four kids with her, they can't just sit in the room without eye protection and all these other things while a laser is going off. So those are some of the basics of, of the laser and really the fire safety issue. Hmm. Oh man. It's like, it's just, it's to me, it's just like, ah, oh, this is just more stuff we got to think about. It's more paperwork. I mean, how much uh, does all this need to be in writing? Like what are the requirements here? You just have to have policies or, or like what's the actual requirements? So um, one is education, you know, as, as the employer, it is your responsibility to educate your staff on it. And um, that's something that I do a lot of. So I've created educational modules that are specific to that company and talks about the different roles that they have and how they do their things. Um, there's usually a policy or two that supplements those to say, okay, you know, these are the people who are allowed to operate a laser. These are the people who aren't. And, you know, it also talks about stuff like defacing the laser machine. So, you know, all lasers have a class um, that's identified on them. And that, you know, tells you like how dangerous it is basically. And so there's rules around you can't scratch off that that or change it. It has to be per the manufacturer. Um, and so, yes, policies will accompany that, the education, the sign-offs. So, you know, I always encourage everybody, once you've educated your employee on it, then you need a sign-off saying that they agree to follow the plan that you've written plus the policies that you've written. And then all that goes into their HR file. So in the event there is an investigation or a poor outcome, you can go back and pull all that and say, hey, look, I, I educated them. They acknowledged that they received the education. They agreed that they're going to wear their eye protection. Those are just some of the basic steps um, for protecting yourself against an OSHA investigation and, and, and protecting yourself against anything, really. The more... Yeah education you provide to your employees, the less likely they're going to be disgruntled, the less likely that they're going to come after you for something. Yep. Um, and so those are super important. So, um, what are, so one thing that, that, and this has happened, I've had, I've had back in my former years when I was practicing all the time, I have had this happen where, um, an OSHA inspector shows up again, for whatever reason, whether it's a report from somebody else, if it's just a random inspection, which doesn't happen very often, but it does, it does happen. Um, so let's say that an OSHA inspector is at your door. It's 8 a.m. You're getting ready to open. What should you do? What should you have your, um, you know, receptionist do who meets the person? What are kind of the, the, the basic rules of the road for how to deal with that? Yeah. First, um, take a deep breath because <laughs> I know everybody is going to be super stressed out. And really this goes for any regulatory person that shows up. Right. Um, when, you know, if it were the state or Medi Texas, uh, the state medical board or a board of nursing or a board of pharmacy, anybody, these things are hold true for all of those. Right. So the first thing we want to do is pause and you need their credentials. Okay. And they all know this. They know that they expect that to be asked of them. So, okay. So and, ask and for their credentials. You mean, make sure that they, that you ask for their credentials. Like I want to see your badge kind of thing. Yes. I need to verify your identity that you are who you say that you are. And there should be um, a, a phone number or something, or you could simply go and Google the organization that they say that they're with and tell them that you need to verify their credentials and it should include a picture ID on their badge, right? Okay. And so that that is absolutely the very first thing. And while you're doing all of that, you want to put them somewhere 
um, where they are going to see the least amount of stuff. And so that might be in your lobby. Um, I will tell you this. If they ask to go back to the bathroom and they see something on their way back to the bathroom or coming in between, that's a part of their investigation. So so even when you're saying, hey, can you wait for me if they go if they go to the bathroom and they see something on the way that, so what do you just tell them to go outside on the curb and <laughs> just stick them in a, stick them in a closet? Just, no, you just don't want to give them free reign of the place until you have completed these next couple steps. Okay. So, um, so you're going to ask them to wait, you're going to verify their credentials and then you're going to notify your manager, your owner, whoever the appropriate people are, your organizations, because they need to know right away that, Hey, this person is here waiting to come back for an inspection. Once everybody's been notified, you verified their identity, you can't stop them. Um, You can't send them away. You can't tell them to come back. Now, if they offer that, great, go for it. But you're not going to be able to tell them, hey, go away and come back another day when we're more prepared for you. It defeats the purpose. Um, So you're going to let them proceed with the inspection. Make sure somebody's with them the entire time because you want to see exactly what they're seeing. Um, Don't argue. That's like point number five, right? Do not argue with them. Just take notes. They're going to be taking notes. You can definitely ask clarification questions, but there's no sense in arguing. The arguing part can come a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Once they are done, you want to get a written copy of whatever it is that they have with them, their report. Usually um, they'll always close out and say, okay, these are the things that I found. These are the deficiencies. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. You know, they, they, I've never seen them just walk out the door without providing any kind of closing report. Um, Clarify any questions that you have on their closing report. Make sure that you, you know, if they said, well, you didn't provide us with this, that's your opportunity to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you needed this. Let me grab that for you now. You want to close as many of the loops as you can before they walk out the door. Okay. Then once they're gone, um, either they're going to follow back up with you with the final corrective actions and the due dates, or it will be on that initial report that you got. But then you're going to start working your corrective actions and you want to make sure that you hit all your due dates that they've given you. And then they're likely going to be back for that follow-up audit, especially if it was a rather negative visit. If there were only one or two infractions, they may just ask you, hey, just email me these documents once you have them in place. Um, Otherwise, they're going to want to come back. And you want to make sure when they come back that not only are your corrective actions done, but you don't want them to be there to be any other deficiencies that they might find. So, you know, there's still, um, once they're on site, they're still able to find additional deficiencies to so make sure everything is is really ready for them to go. Gotcha. What, what if, gosh, what if, um, what if there's something? Let's say you know is a is a is an infraction, like for whatever reason, um, and you've been meaning to fix it, and you just haven't gotten to it, and all of a sudden they're in there and they're like, "Oh my god, I don't want to show them in this particular room." Is there is there anything you can do? to kind of protect yourself in a situation like that. And I'm trying to think of an example, like something with a laser or needle disposal or, or something. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, if, if I'm touring somebody around a regulatory body around, I'm going to keep my mouth shut unless they ask me a question and then I'm only going to answer their question. So I'm not going to be the employee that walks around and goes, Oh yeah, we've been meaning to hang this sharps box for a year, but we just haven't gotten around to it yet. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, if they see it, then you can 
comment and say, yes, we recognize we need to hang that. Thank you for pointing that out. We'll make sure that gets done right away. Gotcha. Right. Um, but you, you don't want to, you just want to show them what they're asking for. Never, ever, ever hand any regulatory body a binder of your policies. Okay. If they okay. ask for, let me see your hazardous disposal policy, you're going to pull that one policy out and hand it to them because otherwise you're giving them access to everything and they can start looking through it all. Um, if they want to see a particular incident report, you're going to pull that one incident report out, not give them a book of the incident reports. And so just answer their questions concisely, politely. The, the time that is right to argue is after they have submitted their final report to you and now you're doing your corrective actions. If you feel like one of their infractions was not true, that's when we can go back and write up a counter argument and submit it through the proper channels. Um, right. But really when they're there face to face, that's not the time to argue. You can definitely ask for clarification and say, can you point, point me to which standard you're referring to when you talk about that deficiency? That's totally appropriate. But um, they're not the people to argue with. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you that what, what you just said, because we deal with that with regulatory investigations all the time. It's like the people's initial reaction is look at all my stuff and go away, right? Like I want to make sure that you're satisfied. So here's my binder of all the protocols that we have. And what you're doing is you're giving them, you know, you may think you're helping, but that what they're doing is you're giving them more stuff to look through, right? So right, right. it's just, it's, it's almost counterintuitive. Now, now, is there any difference if the investigation is in response to an employee injury? Let's say it's like a needle stick or something, right? Um, and so then OSHA shows up and says, I've, or I've had, or, or it's oftentimes they'll call and say, I'm, you know, here's the incident report. I'm, I'm going to be coming over. Is there any, any difference there? No, just, you know, everybody should be ready all the time for a survey, right? That, that should just be a, a state of readiness um, because everybody should have the best practice possible. Um, but if you're not ready, get ready <laughs> really quickly. Um, and, and, well, um, and, and it's not you know, too difficult to get ready, right? I mean, it's not like you do this all the time, help people get ready. It's, it's, not, it's not an overwhelming process. It depends on how willing people are to be ready. I mean, sometimes, you know, even in today's age, I get people who want to push back on everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't make these rules. I'm just trying to help people become compliant with them. And, you know, people will say, but we've never had an issue before, so I don't want to do that. And, you know, my response is you can do whatever you want. I'm just telling you that these are the requirements. You know, if you choose not to do them, that, that's fine with me. Um, so if, if a company and the leaders are willing and, and accepting of whatever changes need to happen, yeah, you can get ready super fast. But if you want to push back on everything, mm -hmm. um, that, that can be a really exhausting process. Yes. Um, OSHA, one of my favorite subjects to talk about. And, and you do it every day. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, not, Christy, it was, it was great, great having you. We're going to have you back. Um, and, and like I said, uh, I, everybody, please, um, pay attention to, to emails on our website because we're going to be doing a whole um, set of, of, of webinars and discussions on scope of practice, not just for nurses, but for APRNs and PAs and everything. So this is kind of one of the things that we're doing. But um, Christy, uh, thank you so much. Um, your website is qcchealthcare.com, right? 
Correct. Yes. Thank you, Alex. Yep. And um, please reach out to to, to Christy uh, for, for questions or for more information and you, you'll be back with us. And thanks again so much for, for stopping by. I appreciate it. I hope everybody stays safe out there. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Christy Hutchinson from QCC Healthcare. If you're new with us, we'd love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get MSPA content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.